Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit Tanner. Hello, Ben, and welcome back from your holidays. How are you doing? Thank you very much. Glad to be back. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Did uh, Did you miss me? Oh, officially, Ed stepped in as co-host. I think that's kind of what happens, isn't it? It's co-host rather than guest when it's just two of you. That's Yeah, fair. when there's two of you. Yeah, I can't carry this place. I can't carry this show on my own, Ben. Um, <laughs> How do you feel about that? Because some people do like solo podcasts, don't they? Solo podcasts do exist. I feel like those people are the type, the kind of people that are also the ones that you see, like, it's on Twitter this week, this person playing Elden Ring using their brain. I mean, I'm incredibly impressed by what they're doing, but fuck you using for being brain? such a show off as well. Yeah, just using their brain. I can't even what, play like, that with a game in my hands. It's too hard. So what? They're just explain that to me. Explain that to me. A person who clearly doesn't have a brain. They've got please. some kind of sensors on the head, and I don't know oh, how okay. it does it. I didn't read the article, um, but <laughs> I assume they just think about well, what they're trying to do. Just in a, know, maybe, in a maybe think about apples. You'll turn left, and you think about tennis. You go right, or something like that. In but... a way, that feels like it should be easier, but no. You get messed up. I much prefer when people play a game like Elden Ring, but like on a dance mat. Oh yeah, on a on a dance mat, only using your tongue or like <laughs> oh, I've done it on a guitar controller. But if that isn't hard enough, so I've done it with a guitar controller and my feet, and I'm like, I'm very <laughs> impressed. But fuck you. Uh, that's yeah. that's how I feel about someone who manages all the admin of a podcast. I don't really. I'm very shielded it from it in my regular life, Ben, because you do all of the hard work. But um. What you kind know. of tangents could you go on if you're on a podcast on your own as well? Like you, I feel like you just cut straight to the chase. You'd cover all the standard stuff. If there was a tangent to go on, you'd you'd be at risk of sounding like a madman. Episode to be fifteen minutes long if we did if we did this solo because you'd have to just be scripted, right? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like left to my own devices, um, without somebody like you to maybe raid me in slightly, I might say something bizarre. <laughs> I think I think it's just 
it's just an editing game, I think. But I've seen a couple of podcasts which effectively are a bit like what we do here. They certainly appear as if they are, by and large, chat with a rough structure of what they're talking about. But then I heard an outtake from one particular one I listened to, and it was like, okay, so this is the script and things like that. You have a script. For, a whole script. Wow. For this, like you actually have a <laughs> script that you're doing, like you're doing a performance. Madness. That is insane. I mean, a little peek behind the curtain for anybody listening. We've got like a very, very rough structured script where we've kind of got like the intro and the outro written down because it can be quite difficult to remember i think um you might freeze up i definitely do that uh and then just like some standard structuring bits for it but all the, everything else is kind of like blanks that just we turn up <laughs> just turn up mate you know I've, i ain't even seen the film mate yeah i have i've seen the film I, 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 I definitely watched the film something that perhaps i don't do anymore that i think maybe you do is i don't even make notes anymore i used to be quite rigorous and making notes on lots of different things my thoughts and feelings i think after doing it so much so obviously doing it every week for six plus years coming up to seven years i think now oh, oh wow um <clears throat> i think i just get used to kind of like remembering certain things and having a having a point of reference that allows me to then there's definitely been times when we've record recorded and i've kind of gone oh i forgot to say that really good point i had um or bad yeah. point thoughts and feelings i tend to come i tend to give myself a few dot points of like bits of the film that happened, or if there's a particular fact that I've spotted, mm. I'll, I'll make a quick note of those. But no, not not any de- not detailed stuff anymore. So it's not for me to say whether some of the things we say are classed as jokes or insight or any of those things. However, you want to label them. Um, <laughs> but they're they're top of the dome, everybody. Never be thought this isn't organically generated stuff. Very very occasionally, I may have thought of a joke like while watching the movie and said, no, i can't wait to say that later <laughs> i can't wait to say that and i'm almost like i hope andy gives me an opening or gives me a setup to then jump in with a joke i've probably definitely like shoehorned it in uh more than once but you know you've got it's gotta be done yeah but either way Definitely. podcast admin aside i'm glad you're you're back then and i'm glad you had a lovely lovely holiday did you yeah. while you were away get chance to keep on top of the horror news uh yeah i, I kept on top of the horror news uh, for, first of all thank obviously thanks to ed for stepping in last week in my absence and, and being a, a very uh always a always a great co-host slash guest uh and i'm i think we should invite him back soon so that i can i can uh be involved as well because i did get a bit of fomo not gonna lie andy i did get a bit just of listen, just listening back to us saying why they're responding to me I'm saying these things. <laughs> I've got so many hot takes. Um, and what, you know, what a great movie to, to cover. A great bad movie as well. I mean, my rating, I think, would have been around about a C as well, simply because it is kind of a bit silly. Uh, and BB's voice, I was kind of a little bit... There was like that weird scat song at the end as well. Gremlin voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got like a gremlin voice. Who signed that off? Because I'm like, that is kind of silly, right? And also, I don't know if I told you this. I might have mentioned it to you. BB reminds me of the robot from Flubber. It's like the same, same color scheme. scheme. Exactly the same color scheme. And I feel like if equally the robot... Equally tragic from... death? Yeah, equally tragic. <laughs> she gets smashed by burglars. She gets smashed, smashed by burglars, yeah. She gets smashed by burglars. BB gets shotgunned Buff- by, by Buffalo Bill. Oh, yeah. Mar Um, But it was good to finally see the movie that the famous gif 
of someone getting their head smashed in by a basketball was from. Because I always just kind of thought, what's that from there? <laughs> now I know. Oh, and now you've done it. Next up, chopping more. Next up, chopping more. Exactly. But I did I did manage to keep on top of the news. Um, hopefully I'm not treading on anyone's toes. And you've not mentioned this from last week already. I don't think you have because some of it's pretty brand new. There is a trailer for a movie called The Boogeyman, which is the latest Stephen King adaptation. And it's directed by Rob Savage, who directed Host and Dashcam, two films that we've covered on the show. And we've also had uh, writer Jed Shepard, writer of Host. And uh, he's a co-writer on Dashcam as well, I believe. Uh, he's been a guest on the show when we discussed From Beyond a little while ago. I say a little while, it's probably over a year now. Um, but yeah, so based on the short story from Stephen King, still reeling from the tragic death of their mother, a teenage girl and her little brother find themselves plagued by a sadistic presence in their house and struggle to get their grieving father to pay attention before it's too late. Does that sound familiar at all? That the story, I mean, yeah, grieving fathers notoriously difficult to get their attention on things. I say it sounds um, a little, a little bit like this film. Obviously, uh, slightly different ages. Yeah. Um, um, but so yeah, there. I there think is this a, looks there... great. Have you seen the trailer? No, another one, another one. I, I should before I even bring it up on the horror news section. I should watch the trailer, but I guess I'm just making everybody else aware. I've no, not. I've seen it. I, have... I can confirm. Looks dead good. I think this is a film absolutely oh. in front of and behind the camera, absolutely stacked with some great talent. The trailer in itself is incredibly tense. Mm. Can't wait. Cannot wait. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go and watch it then because, yeah, I probably should. Um, Stephen King, you know, he, he, he could write a paragraph and someone would turn that into a movie, wouldn't they? Yeah. And famously, his books are often quite much longer than a paragraph. Yeah. (laughs) Based on that sentence that Stephen King posted on Twitter, this is the tweet. Uh, And everyone will be queuing up to watch it. So this is out uh, on June the 2nd. Um, And it is going to get a theatrical release as well. So I think initially it was going to be like a direct, uh, a VOD sort of thing. But apparently after a strong test screening, plus approval from King himself, which is good. Uh, he gave the studio confidence to supersize the film's release strategy. How exciting. Um, that's exciting. Let's talk about other up-and-coming horror names. Zach Kreger, who directed Barbarian, his sets up a new horror movie with New Line Cinema called Weapons. Um, plot details are pretty... are being kept quite under wraps at the moment but it's a multi and interrelated story horror epic that is totally in the vein of magnolia i mean that's going to be pretty intense um unless it doesn't mean the film unless he means the color i mean i guess the film there we go oh yeah the 1999 (laughs) actor crammed showcase i do like other films that are actor crammed get them get as many of them in there as possible like clown cars shove them in (laughs) Just like Clanco. So this is pretty exciting because I think Barbarian has done really well, you know. It's, it's it's kind of crazy to look back at when it was premiering at Fright Fest and when we covered Fright Fest and Lucy saw the movie and we didn't know all that much about it. And But now it's like had a big, so it had a theatrical release, had a Disney Plus release. And it's so um, wild that that is on Disney Plus now. And I think it's been, by and large, certainly in our bubble, I would say really well received. I know there are, even within horror community, I know there's some folks that are very strongly the other way. Um, mm. 
they're like no actually not good but um yeah one of my top films of the, of the year last year i think it was really really good just can't wait to see more yeah yeah definitely i agree excited to see what else we got from that director um and the last piece of horror news I've got here is HBO has officially ordered season two of The Last of Us. I guess this was kind of definitely going to happen, but I think it like racked up on day one. It racked up like six million view- viewers. Episode one, I think it was 10 million after a couple of days. And I guess it's just been doing more since then. And critically, it's been doing well. We're on episode three now, which I think you've seen. I've only seen up to episode two, but episode three is getting rave reviews. And apparently... It is going to be like season one is the first game and season two would potentially be the second game, which is interesting because then you kind of run out immediately after two seasons of source material. They've also said that, haven't they? Because the the makers of the game have been out this this week, in fact, as well, and said okay. at the same time as confirming their step in away from doing more Uncharted for the foreseeable yeah. future, also saying we may or may not do a third one of this. Like yeah. we just went, but they've also said that the the show is never going to go past the games. Okay, that is that like a Game of Thrones scenario? When yeah, I think they're basically name? trying to. I think they're basically trying to avoid that happening, where the returns could... on the original format are <laughs> kind of squashed by the the TV adaptation going past it. It's not following the games exactly, and it is. I know some scenes are like pretty much ripped directly from the game which is great but some things like episode three is expanding on certain characters and relationships and some more flashback i guess which doesn't really happen in in the first game i know we get the dlc left behind which is a flashback to when ellie got when something happened to ellie a tragedy um but apart from that it's kind of so i think there's lots of room for them to kind of like elaborate on certain characters yeah. and relationships and stuff without needing to to follow the exact plot of the game. I and I don't mind that. Tell, and we'll see how people go to it. I think you could probably get away with expanding it. But equally, I'd be comfortable with them not having to follow typical TV cycle of saying, okay, yeah. so I guess next year the next one will be out. They could do two. And if the... Yeah if they have made a decision on doing a third game, but because day- games take ages, it's not going to be for another three, four years. They should do probably afterwards. do that though, because Ellie is significantly, o- Ellie is significantly yeah. older in, in series two. And if they're going to do a third game, potentially um, characters are going to be older still, um, you know, doing it every year is kind of not necessarily going to work. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm also, re- I'm, re- a big, I'm a big fan of something just happening and being what it was and finishing with a with a finale. Like, yeah, if they if they whether it's at two or whether it's at three, I'd yeah. be very satisfied if this is two great seasons of of TV. And I genuinely yeah. believe the first episode. I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago now. I think incredibly well made. Some of the things that were really linked to the game because I haven't played it um, were perhaps lost on me. Mm-hmm. This third episode, no spoilers, everyone, don't worry. Um, <laughs> phenomenal television, cripplingly yeah. sad, but great, but great. Really, really good TV. Awesome. Really, really looking forward to watching this one. Um, 
And I, again, yeah, I don't think it's like either or. It's not like, oh, you need to play the game in order to enjoy the TV show. Or, you know, if you played the game, the TV show's not for you. You know, I've, se- I've seen lots of conflicting ideas with that. Um, I really enjoyed the bits when it goes, here's a bit, and this is exactly, it's said in exactly the same way as it was in the game. Here's a moment from the from the TV show, which is which is directly ripped from the game. That's great. I love that stuff. However, it's nice to have different stuff as well. I think it's nice to have a nice mixture of that. I wouldn't expect it. You know, I've played The Last of Us on PS3, on PS4, like remastered version. I've already played The Last of Us several times and The Last of Us 2 several times. I've not played the PS5 version of The Last of Us Part 1 yet. But, you know, it's a story I'm really familiar with. So if I'm going to see, I don't necessarily just want to see a live action version of that story. It's nice to see different things. What I think I'm going to do, Ben, is wait until I finish the series at this point, and then I'm going to play The Last of Us, probably the PS4 version, because that's the one I have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to play it, and then I'm going to do loads of tweets saying, <laughs> just playing The Last of Us, and look at this bit I found. It's just like the TV series. It's exactly the and same. Pro- and it's probably going to give someone who doesn't realise <laughs> I'm taking the piss, like, a stroke. Like, no, yeah. it was on the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bloody hell, this game copies the TV show, doesn't it? Jesus, get your own ideas. I think yeah, I've also I've also TV. heard that the, the game has sold loads of... of yeah, they upped its sales years. massively. Which is good, isn't it? If your sales are floundering, get a TV show out, isn't it? Um, okay, that is it for for horror news. I guess now we move on to what can what must be your favourite section of the show, Andy, usually. Recently. Got... Tell you what, before I do it, Ben, let's inject, inject a little bit of sizzle uh, for a discussion we may have in a few weeks' time. Uh, a little bit of horror news in the indie space. Oh. Tell you what, only a friend of the show, I think we can say that, and former guest, yes, Janine indeed. Pipe, she wrapped filming on her own directorial debut just this weekend gone by her short film her um was filmed if you're interested in that having janine on the silver bullet episode with us a few months back she's due to come back and join us again and we'll uh give her a bit of quiz in see how her experience has been stepping into the world of making her first feature would love to find out more about that i think she's already planning her second uh, short film as well, isn't she? So, extremely exciting. We'll find out more from Janine, and she will be joining us uh, in February for a special episode. We've not locked down. Well, we've we've locked down, but we've not announced the lineup yet. So, save that for uh, the end, shall we? We could save that for the end. Why not? Yeah. Actually, by the time by the time this episode's out, we will have announced it. So, what are we yeah. on about? We could say it. So, obviously, a couple of new ones. We've got Skin and Marink. This week, it's the first time I've said the word Skinamarink out loud on this show. Feels weird. Um, then we're going to do another new new film, Knock at the Cabin, the yeah. uh, new M. Night Shyamalan movie based on the Paul Tremblay novel, The Cabin at the End of the World. I think that's it. I think that's it. I've read I've read that book. For some reason, I can't remember what it's called. I don't know why they've changed the title, you know. Um, and then we're going to be doing some, well, Tremors. In unconfirmed order. Tremors. Unconfirmed, unconfirmed order. Tremors. One or the other depends on availability. Tremors um, with Stuart Mulrain, uh, host of the And Why Not podcast. And then Janine is going to come back for us for another bit of werewolf shenanigans. Oh, yeah. The most Recently discovered favourite. <laughs> Howling 2, colon, Sheba Bitch, colon, 
your sister is a werewolf. Full stop. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Christopher Lee as well. Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee with some amazing wraparound shades. He has been firmly in my head because I've been I've been reading the the Wicker Man book novelization, which came after the movie. Didn't know that until I picked it up. Uh, yeah, and like Lord Summerall in that is you know they describe him and I'm like just just Christopher Lay just in my head constantly and even the song about shagging the landlord's daughter landlord's daughter is in that is in that book as well which is probably my favorite moment of the wicker man you think if you hear a song that everyone's encouraging you to shag the landlord's daughter just you bloody do it Edward Woodward otherwise you're going to be burned <laughs> up in a wicker man Edward Woodward yeah, but uh, I'm glad you said Wickerman because I said I felt like I said it wrong then, Wickerman. You know, I, I don't know if I'd ever do this because I'm sure we'll never, ever run out of movies to cover. But if we ever get to a point where we're like, we should probably do a new episode on this film, The Wickerman would be a great movie to do because it's mad. Yeah, maybe it's we could make, mad. come up with an excuse to do it. We'll do the new one. Yeah. We'll do That's the new one, idea, then we yeah. can the we can harken back to the original. Mm. That's a great idea. I might watch the remake. You know, it's been a long time. It's been a long time um, since I've seen it. What else have you been watching, though? So, what we've been watching? Have I said anything about what I've been watching? I've been reading oh, that. Yeah. I've been playing Dead Space, which came out this week. Um, initially, I was like, I might wait a little bit. You know. I'll wait a little bit. Not sure if I'm going to jump straight into it, but then I got the old FOMO, didn't I? I've already mentioned that. Um, but yeah, I saw everybody posting about it and playing. I was like, oh, I've got to go to Asda anyway. Other supermarkets are available. I've got to go to Asda to get some bits in, you know? I might as well just have a little look in the game aisle. If it's there, then then it'll, it'll be a sign and it was there. So I got it's it, there. installed it, played it. I think it's one of those games where I have got such fond memories of Dead Space and... I've played all three of them like in the last three or four years. For me, it feels more like a remaster than a than a remake because it feels like a lot of the stuff is the same. Like the sound design is the same. The gameplay feels mostly the same. Sure, the visuals are by far far and away like upgraded mm-hmm. and uh, it's probably not exactly the same layout and exactly the same story. Well, actually, it probably is the same story. It does feel like a remaster to me. Um, Maybe as I get further into the game, it'll start to feel more more like a remake. But where something like Resident Evil 2 and 3 felt like an exact remake... uh, Sorry, it felt like a remake because it felt like a complete different game um, telling the same story. This kind of feels like... I feel like if you did do a side-by-side comparison, which I've seen a lot of of videos and photos of, it's very easy to sort of say it's just a remaster. So I don't know how that makes me feel, really, because I feel like I love the game enough to appreciate it. But I'm just thinking maybe other people who picked it up thinking it was going to be a totally different experience. Maybe slightly disappointed. I don't know. Maybe. But it's had great it's had great reviews. It's been long enough ago for me. I played Dead Space when it came out, what, 2008? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, I, and I've played all of that, all of two, and then I didn't ever finish three. I might be inspired to go back and do it from doing this yeah. remake now. Haven't started it yet, though, because it had the misfortune of, well, I've one, I've been a bit busy, but and I do want to. I picked it up. It's installed. It's ready to go. But it was a lot quicker in the short amount of gaming time I have. I had available to me in the last week to play a bit of GoldenEye on the Xbox instead. What a time! Lovely. Not lovely horror related. Stuff. I'll say no more about it. But what a lovely time it is. How good is that? Paul's Paul's menu music, eh? Oh, 
It's funky. <laughs> it's ever so funky. I picked up Goldeneye as well. I've had a little dabble. It is definitely one of those games where you're like, wow, I remember being pretty good at this. And then you're you're pretty much humbled straight away as you come to terms with like the controls and, you know, as somebody who enjoys modern shooters and you you become so, like, I became so used to Doom and Doom Eternal and the way those games played mm-hmm. that going going back to something like this is a bit of a, a bit of a culture shock where I do feel a bit uh like a little baby boy being given a controller for the first time but yeah i'll get i'll get there um yeah i mean apart from that i've not seen all that much this week apart from i do have some i do have to watch last of us episode three i've watched junjai ito maniac oh the... i've been looking forward to starting that how is it oh oh it's lovely oh it's lovely i mean i cannot begin to describe how hard the the soundtrack goes in this in this show it's the, the the opening credits music and the end credits music is insane it's like math rock it's like math like anime math rock insanity it's i mean just as insane as like the the jinjaito stories are this <laughs> the, the the music is like i was watching the opening credits like just a completely my mouth my jaw dropped i was just like what is going on and it is it is just as insane as that if you're a fan of like the the manga stories of jinja ito or any other anything like that from the so there's a lot of a lot of his sort of greatest hits essentially um so it's like bizarre bizarre terrifying disturbing tales of japanese macabre is is how it's described uh it's on netflix at the moment and some some of the episodes are stronger than others, as I think you'll sort of find, because I guess it is kind of like an anthology series, isn't it? Um, but yeah, really, really creepy, genuinely terrifying. I mean, Junja Ito, if you're familiar with him at all, a lot of body horror, a lot of um, heads, severed heads, creepy Lots of big eyes heads, about the place, loads of eyes, hair. Um, How long are the yeah. episodes? Twenty five minutes. Well, that's not bad. I think there's 12 episodes, so I haven't, so I haven't seen it all yet. I think I've seen about half of it, possibly. Um, but yeah, I hugely recommend it if you're a fan of... Well, it's great for if you're a fan of horror, horror anthologies, or any sort of like Asian Asian horror as well, or or manga. I think if you're, you're only familiarity with Asian horror, stuff like The Grudge and, and The Ring and things like that, you're going to have a good time with this. But you know, if you got a little bit more experience in that realm of things, uh, then you're gonna enjoy enjoy some of these stories. Some really, really interesting characters and some genuinely like horrific moments. A lot of stuff where you're like, Jesus, that was a bleak ending. <laughs> pretty much, oh, I pretty, much, to, I to pretty much every episode. With it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I need to finish it. Look forward to finishing it. Uh and the only other horror related thing I've seen is the keep. So I've I've read the book recently. Um, so the book is written by F. Paul Wilson. He did comment on my Facebook post because I tagged his official author page and said, just diving into this and then going to dive into the film. No bother. And he was like, you may notice a distinct difference between the book and the film. And I felt like the way he said it was like, I don't like the film. <laughs> That's kind of the way he said Bye. it. Uh, and I think I completely agree. The book is great at like creating this dread and atmosphere and it's kind of like nazi do you know, do you know much about the keep it's um like eight, i may have like seen eight. it you know but it's is it is it got old magneto himself in it ian mckellen yeah ian mckellen's ian in McKellen it and a spooky skull and the nazis are after their castle yeah so the book is more vampire-y 
Um, okay. although it's kind of like vampire slash um, a, some sort of being, some sort of like otherworldly being, and it's been around for millennia. Uh, it just feels like so. Michael Mann directs the film. It feels like everything that the book did well at like really drawing out and taking its time with. It feels like it's all just jammed into ninety minutes. There's like a couple of relationships that kind of just immediately start, whereas in the book you could they feel a bit more believable. I guess obviously with a book you've got. Never space. ending, you got all the space in the world, um, and genuinely like quite terrifying. Whereas the film felt a bit cheesy, although the soundtrack is by Tangerine Dream, including a version of the song Walking in the Air, made famous by Alid, Alid Jones, uh, of the snow. That a Mandela effect thing is, is it not him? Is it not him? I don't think it's really him, I think we all just think it's him. Yeah, song by Alan Jones, Walking in oh, the Air, little, little kid. Are we trying to say that he mimed over like an actual person who could sing? Or maybe it's just not him singing it in the song, uh, in the okay. in the film. But there was some, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter, he it's, covered not it. the snowman, it's not the snowman <laughs> hangout. He covered it. I, but in this movie, the Tangerine Dream soundtrack has got a really good version of, of Walking in the Air. To the point where I was like, is that Walking in the Air? But then, But then I found it, I found it on YouTube and I was listening to it, I was like, really nice like it's just like an instrumental it's not like uh no one's no one's singing over it but tangerine dream i don't think they ever really missed do they um yeah i think it's, it's bullseye probably... mate I've, i <laughs> bullseye. i probably would have enjoyed it a lot more if i hadn't just read the book because i really really did enjoy the book had a great time with it um and i'm kind of working my way through these battered old um horror paperbacks that i'm finding on ebay so i've got i've got a copy of the fog I'm reading The Wickerman, um, and I just finished The Keep, and I think I'm just going to find as as old as many That's old. old smelly... It feels like yeah, wanting old copies of that seems like the way to go. It, even better if they've got like a little price tag on from like perfect. perfect they've got book, a price tag, a book sale at like a stately home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That would be ideal. Um, and I guess the only other, any other movie I'll mention, which isn't a horror movie, but I'll mention it anyway, Babylon. The new movie from uh, Damien Chazelle, starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. Uh, don't you've probably seen a trailer for it? That big bombastic yeah. set in Hollywood sort of movie. Um, absolutely loved it, and I did enjoy La La Land as well. Um, I watched this in a really strange way because because so we watched it when we were in Denmark. We went to a cinema. It was a freezing cold day. We're like, should we just go to the cinema for a few hours, just get warm up? And we went in, and it was a cinema that I don't think was really aimed at tourists as much it was very much like for danish people because not many people spoke english there and we ended up going in the wrong screen and watching the second half of the movie babylon without realizing so we watched the second half and i was like this is really disjointed i don't understand (laughs) who's that fella and i was like and i think it's three and a half i think it's three hours long but i was like it feels like it's winding down um and then we realized that we'd walked into the wrong screen the only other screen that was showing the movie and we just happened to, you know, walk into it and get half of it. So we just hung around for a bit longer and went back in and watched the first half. So we watched it like backwards. Um, but even watching it backwards, I really loved it. And Margaret Robbie, I think it's like one of her best roles and she's great in like everything. But give yourself was... like a Christopher Nolan experience watching it there. Yeah, 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 exactly. I did say that. I said it's like <laughs> memento, we're doing a memento on it or something. Um, yeah, for a film I didn't know much about and pretty much had no interest in because I didn't know much about it, I would say amazing. And uh, Tobey Maguire's in it. 
I do want to see. Is he got some horrible teeth in that though? He's got some horrible teeth. Looks like he's never brushed, ne- never had a toothbrush near those toothy pegs ever in his life. Ever see yellow? I do want to. I do want to want to see Babylon. Looks great. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. That's it from me. Unless you've got like a massive, never-ending list of stuff you've seen. Got a little bonanza. It's been a little bit easier. Um, TV. <laughs> we've talked about The Last of Us. I'm carrying on with Chucky. Um, and I've been carrying on with some more classic episodes of 1990s The Outer Limits. Oh, One yeah. about some, it's called two, I think it's called Twin Souls. It's about some aliens. Uh, so you're not, you're from... not watching. You're not watching this in order, then. You're kind of just. No, I'm just. Like, I am watching them in order, but like, okay. The, I'm watching them in release order, but they are. They're all standalone things. So okay. one of them is about these aliens that come and they're like parasitic, ghosty aliens that can go into dead human bodies. Mm-hmm. You know what? Slight spoilers for a for thing that's over twenty years old, but um, turns out all the paranoia for nothing—they're just nice. Um, oh. And that, that's a that's a that's a fun one. And then I <laughs> most that recently called? watched. Uh, I think it's called Twin Souls. Okay. Um, it's just like forty minutes. And then the second one, uh, the most recent one I watched, is another one I actually had very vivid memories of watching as a kid, which one? There's horrible, horrible old man, and he's over a hundred and he's on death's door and he's big rich man and he's uh uh he's funding the construction of an artificial heart and he he says a little something that has aged a little bit where he's like oh well everyone have you know there's everyone in three people's got a wife and kid but has anyone else in the world got 1.2 billion dollars and i'm like yeah. <laughs> wow! People rinsing up more than that up the wall for <laughs> for a social media platform these days, um. But, um, you know, in very vivid memories where like he is trying to grip onto life at the expense of other people, and obviously yeah. he's going to learn a lesson al- along the way. Is um, is this streaming somewhere? Is this? Uh, no, this is an old an old collection. I have. Oh, um, I'm going to watch through these. Yeah, that's cool. Um, um, it probably is streaming somewhere. I just happen to have some physical media. Oh, amazing. So this is the 90s one as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the 90s one. I'm, I do want to go back and watch the 60s one eventually to its to its mm. original roots as well, because cool. I do love a little standalone series. And I started on the 60s Twilight Zones a little while ago. Really, really good storytelling in some of these. Um, mm. I did also blitz a few films again, though, because continuing on this little role, my marathon training... Nice. Um, so I've watched There's Something Wrong With The Children, a new release. Um, this one is on VOD. You can watch it on Apple and Amazon uh, Sky Movies as well, I think, in this country right now. Um, by Roxanne Benjamin is your director. You have Zach Guilford um, of Midnight Mass fame as one of your lead characters. The nice. little synopsis of this is it's a new release, everybody. Margaret yeah, and Ben take a weekend trip with longtime friends Ellie and Thomas and their two young children. Eventually, Ben begins to suspect something supernatural is occurring when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight. Um, I caught a trailer for it and it looked mm. interesting and yeah, there's some there's some good stuff to be having. It really leans into the um a debate that seems to become more and more fierce between certainly people of our age and slightly younger Ben, you know, those people who have chosen to have children versus choosing not to have children and the kind of resentments that sometimes come between those groups of people in, in friendship groups in particular. And there's, there is some sinister 
ugly stuff going on. It, it wasn't. It didn't plan out pay out exactly how I was expecting it to, which was nice and refreshing. Um, it has a good sort of Twilight Zone episode vibe to it, but it's a feature length movie, and there are some really good performances, mm. and there are some really great moments where you're watching and you will gasp, thinking like. And it's not even monster related stuff. It's like when their relationship starts to break down because of what's going on and people come out with some stuff, generally wins like, oh, I can't believe you just said that. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. Um, and, you know, this was one for me that hung on a knife edge. Was it going to have disappointed me or satisfy me with the ending? And it, it stuck the landing for me. I quite, I quite enjoyed it. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, that was that. I then went and found something that. I'm now describing as a stone cold classic. I might need to let it rest a little bit and then maybe <laughs> okay. we might have to watch it sometime. I think I might even text you about it. Dead and Buried, 1981. Oh, yeah. Um, it'll take your breath away. After a series of gory murders committed by mobs of townspeople against visiting tourists, the corpses appear to be coming back to life and living normally as oh. locals in a small town. Um, great. It's on Shudder. Um, get and That's watch sweet. it. I okay. don't believe that we haven't seen this unless I've just happened. It has, and I've missed it. Don't believe we haven't seen a remake of it. The one content warning I will give anyone who's thinking about watching this is if you have particularly fond memories of kindly old grandpa Joe from, uh, from Charlie and the chocolate factory. Well, <laughs> hold on to those while you still can. Oh my God. Because he's a bit of a villain in this. Oh no. Um, but he's, a bit really a he's a bit he's a bit of a villain in Charlie the Chocolate Factory really isn't he like, just like leaps up out of bed after being in bed for like two decades alright the Department of Work and Pensions <laughs> <laughs> oh I thought you what's that I thought your legs don't work oh yeah as soon as you get a golden ticket oh you're well up for it Jesus you know you, the malnutrition you've been suffering I guess he's won a lifetime supply of chocolate but you know he's going to get his calories in at least yeah um, that's true yeah Dead and Buried is really good for my money. Like genuinely gory, some really unsettling bits in it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, get and watch it. We'll talk about it another time. Um, Lovely. An ep a, a film that has been one of your, both yours and Luke's favourites, and I've been really slow in watching it, but after another Ben Wheatley movie last week, finally got around to watching The Kill List. It's pretty good, isn't it? Did you? Is that the first yeah. time you've seen the kill list? Yeah, or just first time I've list, seen the so. kill list. Oh wow! Absolutely love that good. film. Oh yeah, it's great, isn't it? Um, don't want to spoil anything, but how did that end impact you? It's pretty harsh times, isn't it? <laughs> pretty harsh times. Also, one of the best magic tricks in cinema, I think, when he says Abraka fucking Dabra and just rips. <laughs> <laughs> horrible that scene i feel like something that i found has definitely affected me is like awkward arguments between like couples or like where one couple's <laughs> arguing and the other couple are like kind of not arguing that is incredibly tense in any yeah. in any sense it's just it's so in real life and not so uncomfortable to watch several moments it's a film that had me on edge the entire time really really good really great movie mm. Even yeah deeply what... unpleasant but really good <laughs> Deeply unpleasant. One of the most um, realistic hammerhead smashes ever put yeah. to film as well, right? Smashing all sorts of hammer, that bloke. He's a bad man. 
he's a bad man. Uh, yeah, really weird, mysterious, and like folk horror as well. I think it's one of my favorites. I think you got definitely got to check it out. Yeah, he gets tricked though, didn't he? In the end, tell you what, put a sheet over something and and duct tape a knife to your hands. I'm just gonna stab it. All right, I'm just gonna stab it. Situation. Yeah. Anything you'd else? Have gone around that, you'd have gone around that circle, stabbing all the people that had kept you there. Yeah, you would. Teamed up. I ain't um, fighting this hunchback. I'll <laughs> stab you, mate. You're the one that got leave me here. Leave the hunchback out of it. Um, yeah, so that was that. Another couple I watched. Inseminoid. Um, it is a 1981 film by Norman J. Warren. Um, it's about aliens putting a baby in you and turning you to a murderous alien hybrid pregnant woman. Oh. Um, I tell you what, they they will tell you then that in space no one can hear you scream. Not if you're in inseminoid because a lot of people scream an awful lot, a lot of screaming oh, wow. going on there. Um, uh, other props to this movie, there's a brilliant line where there's a lady that's trapped and she goes, "Gary, I can't do it." And Gary, who's on the radio, says, "I don't understand the meaning of the word. You can't give up." And it was like. You just said you don't understand the meaning of the word and then used it in the following sentence, Gary. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You want to Come reflect on, on Gary, that? you absolute yeah. weapon. Um, spoilers, slight spoilers for Inseminoid. Um, the lady's absolutely right. She can't do it and she perishes. Um, but she's only a minor character. Um, again, really gory, but super low budget. Um, it, it does feel like a... It's very early eighties. It's a, it's like a seventies sci-fi show that you catch on the BBC, but gory and in, and uh, with all kinds of murders going on up in space and some fantastic early eighties hair. Awesome. Um, then I watched 1993's Maniac Cop Three: Badge of Silence, finishing up my <laughs> Wait, very protracted watch of bad, that series. Badge of Silence. If we said Badge, badge of, of Silence, silence. <laughs> no, it's not Silence of Badges. Um, is a bad. Well, she's badger. Just shut up, mate. Well, I got just a maniac cop for you. Is it the same guy? Oh, chin the chin himself, not um, Bruce Campbell. It's not Bruce Campbell because he was. Uh, but it is still old Matt Cardell. Is, That's it. Is yeah. Still, yeah, Matt Cardell of X Factor fame. Got you. <laughs> yeah, and I tell you what, when he d- collides, he does come together. Um, all the criminals, <laughs> they don't come together. They'll they'll fall apart. So yeah, they'll. Um, <laughs> He's he's at he's at it again, doing some more maniac cop things in a kind of is he bad is he good changes quite often. He gets he gets resurrected by a voodoo man, um, oh. but so he's after being put at peace in the last one. So he's back again. It's better than it has any business being. If I'm honest, it's <laughs> it's it should yeah. be terrible. But you know what? It's great. There's one bit where a uh, this man comes over. He's being all cheeky because like he's he's got some problems with the police and he's saying to them ah you guys doing this i don't think the police are very good actually getting in the space and then he doesn't realize that it's a bloody maniac cop does he turns around realizes it's matt cardle and then he throws him (laughs) in the air like a clay pigeon and then basically like like shoots him as he flies through the air and then he falls down he the stuntman or the actor like oofs as he falls to the ground, but then is clearly dead, shot to pieces. He's like, oof, but he's dead. His last, um, his last moments. Just his last breath, I guess, was being pumped out. And then finally, I also on Shudder, load of good stuff on Shudder recently. I'm trying to get through a bit of stuff on wow, there, yeah. really get the most out of that. I watched 1981's early 80s week, to be honest. 
watched Hell Knight, which is a uh, Tom DeSimone film. Just some college pledges forced to spend the night in a deserted old mansion where they get killed off one by one by the monstrous surviving mem- members of a family massacre years early for trespassing yeah. on their living grounds. Just a haunted, in inverted commas, house set. There's pretty bad blokes that live there. Isn't the Hell Knight like one of the bad guys from Doom, if I remember correctly? That is, but it's uh, without a K, so it's not a member of Hell's It's just no. an evening of hell. If you an like. evening of hell. A night of hell. Interesting. Okay, loads yeah. of awesome but, stuff classic, there. Classic 80s, classic 80s fair. Yeah, As if I was always... recommending one thing from you for you, Ben, and everyone else, dead and buried. Dead and buried, yeah. I've already added it to my list, Andy, as I do during this section of, of every um every podcast episode. Add stuff I'm gonna to carry list. on marathoning until you get sick of hearing about them or caught up on that watch list. Or Andy completes horror. Okay. So apart from that, we have watched the film of the week. Um, which was a fairly last minute little jig around in terms of what we were going to watch because it's out today on Shudder. Now, obviously, if you listen to this after the release date, it still is available on Shudder. Yeah, it's not just a one day thing. It's not just a one day thing, one day exclusive. It's available um, from from here on until the end of time. Maybe not the end of time, but you never know. So today's movie is Skinamarink. That's fun to say. Um, is a 2022 Canadian experimental horror film written and directed by Kyle Edward Ball in his featured directorial debut. The film follows two children who wake up during the night to discover that they cannot find their father and that the windows, doors, and other objects in their house are disappearing. Um, I think it's based on a short film called Heck, which was kind of like a proof of concept for this. It's available um, on YouTube right now as available well. So on YouTube. If you want to see that? The experiment from the director is available for you to watch. Yeah, um, it was shot on it's shot on digital in Ball's childhood home in Edmonton, Canada. Not that's, I mean, that's kind of interesting. The fact that he just shot in his childhood home. Um, so, what can we say about this film? IMDb five point four out of 10 rotten tomatoes 72 percent critic score 43 percent audience score letterboxd 3.1 out of 5 now i've got some choice reviews here i tried to have a nice cross section of this just to give this film a fair a fair deal don't want to don't want to be unfair to it at all so freyer says Reduced me to a child, hand over my mouth, tears in my eyes, pit in my stomach, surreal and familiar in the same stroke. Five stars. Matt Lynch says, I really appreciate the swing here. It's gorgeous and the vibes are just terrific, but it's fucking boring. I'm so sorry. Two and a half stars. And then David Delrich. Imagine if someone made an entire movie out of the last shot of the Blair Witch Project or a creepypasta remake of Home Alone. Three stars. So probably like a bit of a cross section of that mm-hmm. there. I guess things that I've seen it described as is being like lo-fi horror, um, elevated horror, which I guess most of what A24 puts out is described as that. Um, analog horror. I've seen loads of stuff like this. All these kind of like words that are get I guess supposed to make us think that this is a new um possibly a new wave 
of 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 horror for for the year ahead. Um, and also I've seen this quite polarizing. A lot of people seem to say, "What an absolute waste of time! It's boring. Nothing happens. It's just you know, crap." It's <laughs> this is not me saying this. This is me saying what These people are saying. These are Ben's words. Everyone, These my words. Don't put words in my context. Life. And other people are also saying like, like that it's absolutely amazing. It really captures. I've seen some people say like, it captures that childhood fear um, of like your own home, which which you do have like in the dark. And, you know, that moment when you wake up after a nightmare as a kid and you kind of you feel around the wall to find the light or trying to go to your parents house or every shadow in the darkness of a place, a haven, which is your childhood home, is suddenly full of all these creepy shapes. And I think, you know, for us watching it. But but it, in in the grain and the sort of things that are out of focus and these long lingering shots, you are constantly looking for something in the darkness. Right. But I think it's because modern horror movies have kind of done that to us. They've made us feel accustomed to it. Things like Haunted of Hill House, where you're like, there's a little ghosty here and there, here and there. Um. But I think. Oh yeah. I mean, I won't say what I think of it, but what I'm saying is, it has polarized people immensely. People. It did. It did um, premiere in in theaters in in the US. We haven't got anything like that in the UK at the moment. It's available on Shudder now. Um, I feel like if you watch it at the cinema, it may have been a completely different experience to if you just watched it in in your living room with every other distraction in the world. This is one for me, actually. We were talking last week with Ed about a couple of things that are relevant to this film, actually. But one of them was the cinema experience because M. Night had been on saying, my new film is designed to be watched in the cinema with an audience, not on your not on your tablet. I'm going to argue that, on your bloody tablet. that the best way to watch cinema Inc. is probably on like your laptop or, or like a small TV right next to your bed in the night. Imagine that, like, because there's certain there's certain bits, and that we'll talk as we go through the the film. Uh, you know, for anyone who has no idea what to expect, it's going to be hard for us to do the usual narrative breakdown that we would, because there is that there's not a huge amount of narrative to pull out of this, right? It's very very stark in that sense. But yeah. one thing it does very skillfully reminds me of the days of uh when we were teacher training the guy used to, one of the teachers said to us hey if you want a group of kids or you want people to listen and they're talking amongst themselves don't shout loud don't shout louder speak more quietly because then people will they'll have to like lean in and listen i feel that film does it very effectively there are several moments where i almost went back and did a scene Again, I probably added a good few minutes to the runtime because you see, you you hear something said, and sometimes it gives you a, you know, gives you a, a visual on that, but other times it doesn't, and you you semi catch something that's been said, or you think there's been a sound in the same way that you're craning your eyes and mm. squinting to look for things in the shadows that may or may not be there. There'll be something audible. And I found myself like um, like cranking the volume uh, a little bit, leaning in to listen to were, were what you it not, was. Were, were you not aware, though, that it was just good to try and... Le I mean, again, another reason that 
the, the modern horror movies are kind of and I, i'm not throwing modern horror movies under the bus i think for the most part modern horror movies are great there's just a type of modern horror movie which the the, the jump scare is used as the main form of of sort of 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 creating some sort of atmosphere and genuine fear and horror in a movie so that when a film is quiet like that and i kind of feel myself leaning in and suddenly rather than there being like static noise or like residual noise it goes silent i'm like no i don't trust you now <laughs> i don't trust you i'm not this, gonna lean in because this one did it didn't have ambient music and violin stings and yeah you know throughout and the couple of jumps that do occur it's when you get like a smash cut like mid-sentence there's one bit where one of the kids was like in the middle of saying what i assumed was what was that and they get as far as what was and then we just get just like a sharp snap to another shot, yeah. and that like makes a thud and makes I mean, you jump. It's it's very very unconventional. I think it's gonna it's gonna polarize a lot of. I think a lot of general moviegoers and horror movie, horror fans are gonna be immediately put off by oh, like, yeah. the first thirty minutes of this. Um, I think maybe an hour and forty minutes is perhaps a bit too much like i feel like i've got a, a lot of a lot of patience and and i really like atmospheric stuff and you know in places it reminded me of silent hill in places it reminded me of the blair witch project poltergeist in a way um it's not really fine footage is it but it's kind of got that kind of look i guess we're supposed to believe it's some it's level kind of, of fine footage it's kind of designed like found footage but it's not directly any of the characters we have operating the camera so it's not found footage with you know like a a layer of reality to it we don't see someone operating a camera no it's like Sometimes a fever it's like a fever dream isn't yeah. it it is like, exactly like a dream and i think that's what the director has come out and said like it's based on my based on childhood nightmares and it does have that nightmarish surreal quality to it i think it um, it does. I I think it just needed, I needed a slightly shorter run runtime and a little bit of a narrative structure just to hang your hat on, just yeah. <laughs> just just to make it easier. Not necessarily easier to follow, but a little bit more engaging. And I think a lot of the stuff that it does, which is quite creepy, some of the visuals and reveals are quite good. Um, I feel like it just just would have earned that a bit more. Yeah. As as for that, I just find myself almost becoming a tad frustrated at times with you know where i kind of wanted more from it i wanted certain plot threads or not even plot threads but you know certain it dangled a little carrot in front of you we're like oh okay is are we gonna see something now or oh wow that's creepy that's the back of someone's head are we gonna turn around and see but i didn't want like a big turn and a big scary face or something like that that's not what i wanted um because considering the ending of blair witch project is one of my favorite horror moments you know and that's not a big scary scary face screaming at the camera which we've seen in dozens and dozens and <laughs> dozens of horror movies yeah. that's not really what i wanted but i don't know i just felt yeah maybe a little bit tad a little bit frustrated it was like the um uh the horror movie version of of edging <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just like come on give me something give me something no you can't have anything oh, almost can't have anything now actually denied um, denied um yeah you're right and i think if you're talking about this for a general general audience and i'm not saying this that i'm then following with said but for an elevated audience like I me mean, true horror fans will understand i'm not saying that at all but 
I think from a commercial point of view, um, would you, would a general audience see, look at this on a broad release is, you know, is your average, your normie's going to go and watch this and say, oh, well, no, this was a, this is because conventionally it doesn't have the storytelling elements that yeah. are front and I mean, center that an audience gonna, is going to expect. It's going to struggle. I, I was in an audience with Hereditary on, on the release weekend and people were scoffing. And people were like, "This is a don't know what happened. What's yeah. even happening? What's this about?" Yeah, so yeah, it's um, going to struggle in that sense. But I think I described it to you before we started. It has the vibe of watching uh, an art installation as much as it does watching a movie, right? It has a message, but it's not overtly presented to you, and there are bits of it that there is a narrative, and we'll we can rattle through it fairly quickly, but it's not, it's not directly yeah. presented. And let, let's look at it. I had a quick look um, at the production, 15 grand, this film cost. And that was make. just a bloody Lego, mate. That was a Lego. Lego's expensive these days. All right. Lego, Especially... And he had to travel to his parents' house in Edmonton. Um, <laughs> and he lives in bus ticket. Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, so it made on an incredibly small budget, and I understand with a limited release in the US, it's made a, a hair under two yeah. million so far. So financially, a great success. Is this a oh, successful yeah. experiment in storytelling? Yes, it's found an audience, and people mm. are talking about it, as included. Yeah, and I think, you know, as as a podcast, and I guess as film critics to a degree. I think one thing I'm always keen to say because there have been times when I've been I've negatively bashed something or someone um based on their filmmaking prowess. What I will say is that like making a film and putting a film out deserves every plaudit in the world, you know, because I understand as a process it must be incredibly difficult and especially for something so original and um experimental as what this is. I completely I completely, I, I, I was going to say tip my hat to that, but I've already said something about hanging a hat on something. I feel like all my... Too, I can't, much, too much hat talk. Too much hat talk. It's because I've got a hat on. I've always got a hat on. But what I will say, without trying to be too too negative, I, I will say that like everything that, that I enjoy about movies, not everything, not everything I enjoy about movies, but most of what I enjoy about movies is absent here. You know, I feel like okay. I do, I do enjoy... Um, some level of, of 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 plot and mystery and sort of a a, a slowly unraveling plot and some payoff something. right and some payoff yeah i do enjoy that and as i said i just felt frustrated by the whole process really especially um, when i've when i've seen so many people saying such good such good things about it i was really interested to see what we we're gonna what we were going to see um and yeah yeah and that's and that's fine i think I was talking about this with Ed last week, actually. Ratings are a very difficult thing. The very fact that whether you're on a letterbox system that, you know, is, uh, you know, there's like using stars or our old school school grade systems as well. It's nigh impossible to compare um, films on an equal playing field, like an independent experimental piece, can you necessarily rate that in the same 
on the same scale as you would yeah that's true an absolute blockbuster or things of a completely different genre something more established something which is your favorite yeah. and the thing i was talking about with that is like in many ways the ratings i now give films when i'm here when i'm on letterbox when i'm wherever tend to be just how much i've enjoyed them which is mm. quite often completely divorced from the actual quality of the filmmaking. Yeah, 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 definitely. And sometimes, as we say all the time, and I know you said with Ed last week, having the chat about it can kind of make you appreciate a lot about it even more when you kind of when you kind of reminisce about certain things you enjoyed with like-minded, or sometimes not like-minded. You know, sometimes people might think sometimes an enemy might say that they have a different a bloody enemy really... might go, "I love that film," and I go, oh, "I love that film too," but you're you're a twat. All right. Anything you like, Ugh, scoff, Ugh, scoff. Um, um, I tell you what, let's let's get into it, shall we? And then we'll see how our opinions land at the end. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, well, the the plot is fairly fairly quick. The, my first note is that we begin with an unholy alliance on screen straight away, going into the unsettling nature from the very beginning. Lego and Duplo in the same area. Yeah, what was going on with that? That was weird. Was it actually Lego as well? Or was I didn't it both? look for brand names, but it looked like there was both Lego and Duplo together as one. Basically, you're, you're setting yourself up for some level of... Um, this is the thing. Demonic, supernatural, ghostly, do we know? Like, a, So Skinnamarink is like a... Uh, like a schoolyard Like an American song. folk song, right? Like American a... folk song, which is apparently like gibberish, right? So I only think of I've never actually heard the song Skinnamarink showing my lack of awareness of American culture but it just reminds me of the <laughs> oh my goodness oh my damn video the guy with the burger <laughs> oh my goodness oh my damn oh my goodness they're going ham that's it he sings a bit of that maybe that's why I'm assuming Skinnamarink is um, so yeah and <laughs> let's talk about the framing here we already said it's it's it is presented as found footage, but it isn't really because there's no one operating a camera. The yeah. angles are... It's like there's a static camera that's just capturing a view of the film. If it's anything watching, maybe it's the ghost's eye view. And we're just... Mm. Until the very end, at least. It, they are still framed shots, but unusually framed. It's like, you know the look across a room or the corner of a TV or, you know, the at ground level and you see the feet of the, the two yeah. children in the, in the, in the film walking past all yeah. very untraditionally framed, which has that dreamlike element to it. Um, I tell you what this put me in the mind of as well, Ben, have you seen, I know Luke recommended it and that's why I watched it come true. Have you watched come true? No, no, I didn't get around to that one. Also on Shudder, um, that is very focused on nightmares. Um, Luke isn't here to say this himself, but I remember him telling me watching Come True gave Luke nightmares. Um, oh, okay. And, and it's and it's and it's about them. It's about uh, the the main character is a girl, and she meets other people along the way that joins a sleep experiment. And mm. the scientists, as part of that experiment, are looking 
at the contents of people's dreams and nightmares and they're finding ways to record them and they look at shared dreams. And as part of it, you have the computer imagery generating what these what these people are dreaming in their nightmares. Oh, wow, okay. And it has that quality about it. The, the angles and the geometry aren't quite right. And there's some... Mm. Conceptually, it takes what this film has, and there is there is a, a sinister force in these dreams, and it'd be an excellent pairing with this movie. In fact, I would recommend Come True has recently also come on to Shudder. So, you know what? If you're on there watching Skinner Rink, if this has taken your interest, watch both. I would say maybe Skinner Rink first because that one has um, Come True has more of a a narrative and characters that you'll meet that you can follow through, but uh-huh. some of the same unsettling imagery. But the only thing really I would say in this beginning section, the only thing that I see some people who are discussing this movie that are kind of clinging to a potential standard ex- uh, explanation. There are two kids, um, Kaylee and Kevin. Kaylee and... Kevin. Yeah, that's right. Kevin and Kevin. And you and don't ever really see them, do you? No, not in full. You see the back of Kevin's head and the side of Kevin's head on occasions. Yeah. Um, don't trust him. Don't trust either of them. Can I just no. have, get, have a look at your face? Let me see you. No, no. no? Well, I don't no. trust you. Why are you so evasive? It'd be annoying if you're in this film. You're like, I'm in that film. And you watch it, you go, are you? Oh, yeah. Didn't recognise you. Yeah. Could be any kids back yeah, there. there you are. Um, this is the only really explanation we get. We hear, but don't properly catch sight of their dad uh-huh. talking on the phone to someone, possibly the kid's mom. Like it's not made expressly clear, but he basically says, Kevin fell down the stairs and banged his head. Don't worry, he's fine. Kaylee says he was sleepwalking. Hurt his crown. And and then you had to put brown paper in vinegar, vinegar and brown paper. Right, yeah. So could I've seen it posed by some that the nightmare sequences we have from here are tied to Kevin's sleepwalking if he is a sleepwalker. Yeah. Or potentially intensified by his by his head injury, but he has banged his head. But then again, other people have thrown that away and said this is probably just the thing that happened. They're playing hide and seek at night it's at the very, beginning and that's just they tell their dad. It's very Lynchian, isn't it? I think it's very David Lynch. Um, I feel like if like extended nightmare sequences from, from anything David Lynch has put out um, were allowed to go for an hour and 40 minutes, I feel like this is the kind of thing that we probably would yeah. have got. Just these really unnerving, unsettling, but incredibly dragged out, you know, moments that are designed to 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 make i think they're designed to make you look uneasy and maybe a little bit annoyed they're designed to make you feel like that this for anyone who hasn't watched it or anyone who won't watch it or anyone you know that that's going through this in that bit we just described that is about 15 minutes of 15 minutes plus of movie right just shots of about 20 to 30 seconds looking at the Lego, looking down the <laughs> corridor into the dark, That's looking you know, from the top that, of the that... stairs to the bottom. 
That's why you notice it's Lego and Duplo because you're just looking at it for so long. Like I feel yeah. like in my head, I I I put it together and, and took it apart again at least you know four or five times. Master builder, you like plan all the things you can make with it. Um, <laughs> so, I mean that's that's where we are, and then the kids wake up and the the dad is just gone. You hear them looking for him and they can't find him. But the doors to the the we see a door disappear. Yeah, um, we see a door disappear, and we we eventually come to understand that the doors that allow you to leave the house are gone, along with yeah. their along with their dad, and the two children opt to sleep downstairs. There is a brief mention of the mom. They say, "Where's dad? Has he gone with mom?" And the the older of the children, Kaylee, says, "I don't want to talk about." Mom. Don't want to talk about mom. Yeah, which kind of makes you think, you know, maybe she's dead or something like that dead, or left left uh, something something like that and i guess it was kind of it was kind of heartbreaking in a way because you're thinking of kids of a certain age like it must be like if they're because kids must get left in these sort of situations you know where parents like leave the house and stuff and they wake up and they're alone in the house and you know you're too young to kind of really understand what's happening so you're just sort of left left alone and abandoned and it was kind of heartbreaking thinking how scared they must be and the way they communicate with each other as well like ever so quietly and the dialogue is incredibly sporadic as yeah. well you know there's a lot of silence where obviously they're just scared and they're just kind of thinking and then they've got the tv on and they're watching some some old some old cartoons some roti free like cartoons I've... some ro- some roti free cartoons what I've are you seen watching another... i watching... I, I, there's one in particular with the spiders that was on something else I watched in the last week and I can't think of what it was. Maybe it's in Dead and oh, Buried, wow, okay. but there's uh, an old cartoon. I had it on VHS when I was a kid. I could have been a Skinnamarink. Um, <laughs> you could have been a bloody Skinnamarink, mate. Like, it's like a spider hotel and some flies go to this hotel and they're, you ah. know, the the you know the I beds see. are made of spider webs and they're all stuck to the the um, they're all stuck mm. to the beds. Um, there's a couple of moments, and again, I've seen, I've seen theories written up on this because this was a film that I came away and thought, right, I need to try and understand this. Let's see what people are yeah. writing. Those film scholars, what are they talking about on this <laughs> one? And there is yeah. a claim that the cartoons are potentially being generated by the entity to taunt them, but yeah. secondarily, are either that or they're just thematically tied to what's happening generated to taunt them wow what could be generated what could what could be generated to taunt you if you were stuck in a in a skin and marinx like scenario i mean only a royalty free cartoon obviously they're not going to put them they're not accessing disney plus and they're not accessing the the james corden show or or james corden's performance in cats to try they're not they're not getting those because they are protected by copyright and i'm not sure even (laughs) demonic forces want that kind of litigious (laughs) response um but uh (laughs) yeah i don't know what i guess probably the films they choose here because just when they're looking for the when they start looking for the dad the cartoon Mm. that they're showing shows some birds that look like they're carrying another bird off on what looks like a you know a, a stretcher or a coffin yeah, in a very like solemn a way. Journey or something, yeah. Yeah. Um there's a bit where there's like a little boy attracting loads of birds to him with seed. There's a bit where there is a spider and the flies are like stuck to the stuck in the webs. 
and there's a bit where things are disappearing where there is like a recurring re-record don't fade away clip of a rabbit making itself disappear yeah um like a magic but rabbit some some of this could mean absolutely nothing to some people watching it oh yeah and and other people would be like i'm going to read into every single visual to try and see how it represents the story and you know until until we get the director confirming or denying i don't think we're gonna really yeah gonna really know are we it's it, yeah that it's just there are things that i I've, I've seen people claim could be mm-hmm. tied to it but again they it could just be background noise because the kids are downstairs watching these you know, they're, they're basically watching cartoons. More time seems to pass and they haven't found their dad. Then I tell you what, bit of light relief. That demon having trapped these kids there. We've talked about the thematic things about talking about, you know, kids who were abandoned or parents have disappeared. Mm. Um, bit of light relief, though. The demon makes the toilet disappear, dickhead. <laughs> that's a laugh right. isn't it? that's a laugh i bet one of them's absolutely gasping for the toilet as well and he's gone see that toilet vanished it, gone to be Makes fair it come back I mean, a second because i'll disappear again sorry i'd be fuming with that i'd be fuming because you know um i think i mean when i'm in any situation i don't know where the toilet is i feel a little bit uneasy because you know you never might, you never know when you might be caught short um <laughs> so the, the demon, toilet you'd do it even more you'd literally wait until you'd You'd like undone your flies and you're standing over. Oh, I disappeared. Sorry. What? No. You pissed everywhere all over the floor again. You bastard. Literally, as you've started weeing. Um, no, because <laughs> uh, it appears the toilet disappears and it isn't like the plumbing is underneath it. It's just gone. A smooth, the whole thing. Yeah, surface underneath. It's like the toilet never existed. And you um, look down. You look down when you're just about to wee. Your 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 penis is gone as well. Just a smooth surface like, a, like, like an action man, like a Ken doll. Uh, uh, and then you look at your hands. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I am just. Your, your hands and they've got eyes on them. Horrible. Um, tell you what, Ben, <laughs> we'll, talk about, we'll talk about horrors, not toilet related. But um, again, something that I spoke with Ed about last week. This will catch you right up on it. We were talking oh, about those traumatic childhood moments when you sneak downstairs and catch, you know, something on TV that your parents are watching. That oh, yeah. That gives you nightmares. But then Ed, Ed made a very good point. Is that more scary or is the scarier thing if you ever get up in the night and go downstairs so late that your parents, you just assume are always up, have also gone to also bed gone and there's just bed, yeah. no one downstairs in your house and it's just yeah. empty and dark. It's almost like there's something about nighttime when you're a kid Um like the silence of like me, I'm I'm I I usually go to bed quite late, and you know over the years I've always been someone to stay up pretty late as well because I like the sort of tranquility of nighttime. And I, I saw someone describe recently as like people like staying up late because nothing's expected of them. You know when you're when you're up in the daytime, you're up in the morning, emails, texts, phone calls, mm. uh, knocks on the door, all that sort of stuff. Whereas at night, all of that stuff is just. It just doesn't happen because everyone's asleep or, or you know, not or just relaxing. And that tranquility of night is something that I've always enjoyed. However, like that exactly the same thing when you're a kid is really quite scary because mm. it's just it's just this as a kid, you're like used to everyone being awake and sort of around you and you're used to the, those moments when you're suddenly alone and especially in the dark and, you know, your your house, your place you of of your comfort comforting haven i guess in the daytime it looks completely different at nighttime suddenly 
everything just feels slightly slightly wrong doesn't it and i yeah. remember like cross i remember being having to cross so if i woke up from a nightmare or something i'd have to cross like past the stairs to get to my parents room um so and that moment always used to scare me so like just running so the I, skeletons I live obviously on the stairs i wouldn't no. i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to look down like you know just because oh if you don't look then nothing to get you the same like when you used to switch the light off and run upstairs because immediately yeah. the ghoulies are trying to get you then um yeah something about that and i think this film does capture that sort of uncertainty of it because these kids you know you can tell that they're afraid and unsure yeah um yeah i couldn't agree more people who listened would have heard me chat on about that last week but um so i made a quick note here so it's about the toy that has disappeared and then what i understand from reading later was on the ceiling there is a doll on the ceiling which kaylee the daughter sees and screams when she sees it move i thought it was just a strange angle and it was on the floor that's that was movie. sometimes it's quite <laughs> incomprehensible. Like I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. quite pass it watching it a, a first time. Yeah, I felt I felt the same. Like I couldn't tell if things were on the ceiling or if it was just supposed to be that angle. I yeah, think it was so a bit confusing, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it's hard to work out. But then I, I made a quick note of the time here. So around around the forty minute mark, um, the kids are downstairs again. Watch, you know they're carrying on watching the cartoons and this is where we get uh the voice come upstairs um mm. kaylee goes upstairs and then is told and again credit for this one pay this one out genuinely like a tense a tense moment right where come upstairs with this kind of surreal yeah. surreal quality voice um yeah, like a voice commands her to come upstairs, and she does go. And is then it supposed says, to be the voice of their dad? I was thinking, is it the voice of their dad? Yeah, but like kind of a bit distorted, a bit distorted. Yeah, come upstairs. Come upstairs. It's really, yeah, it's really quiet as well. You have to listen. And sometimes it's it like a whisper. Subtitle. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes not. Which is again a bit I find interesting. But yeah, just, come upstairs. And she goes upstairs. Come upstairs. And he goes, I to the bed. Just oh yeah. Bed. That look under the bib. Yeah, too long. Lasted too long. I was, I was like, "Come on then, what's good? What's it gonna show? What's it gonna show? Come on, make me jump, make me jump." No, still nothing. Still. And the answer is nothing. The answer is nothing. And then, and then when she comes upstairs, then there is a figure sat on the other side of the bed, which my assumption was it's her mom. Yeah. And then it 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 says, "Oh, both me and your dad love you very much, but I need you to close your eyes now." Oh yeah. Yeah, and that was good, right? Like, like it was. I'm not gonna. Yeah, she'll saying that out loud. That I was shan't. Good. Yeah, shan't. Thanks. Or I'm closing my eyes, but I want some qualifiers here for ten seconds until you're gone. You're gonna tell me when I can open them again because I don't want to close my eyes and open yeah. them and you're standing right there. No, I got no time for that. I'll close my eyes, but I will be windmilling my hands at the same time. So if you do want to come close to me, you'll get hit. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, how about you don't do the scary thing you're going to do, and I will leave, and then you can do the scary thing when I'm not just in here with my eyes closed, yeah. but I've gone. That seems fair. Um, and again, I didn't necessarily pick up on this because, like you say, the the conversation has been a little disjointed 
up until this point already. But the yeah. notes, again, from the synopsis on the wiki page, talk about um, how Kaylee, after this event where she's been kind of commanded by the demon and this thing has happened, she's a little less responsive to to Kevin and isn't quite so warm to him and doesn't really, she won't explain what's happened. Um, yeah. She won't explain what's happened. But then there's some, yeah, there's some crunching sounds up there and then she just is gone at some point, right? We never really... Yeah. Yeah, I think that kind of happened. We don't really find out. Well, I guess we do find out because the the the, the skin of Marink does say something a little bit later. Um, yeah. There was a chair. There's after the, some of the thumping. There's like a chair as well that's upside down. And again, I wasn't sure if this was an angle or not. And then does the chair vanish? I think the chair, chair just like slowly vanishes. And the... yeah, it's yeah, it's a weird, a weird visual. And again, you're before, you're yeah. you're looking at this and you're not necessarily sure what it is that you're seeing. Um, I think after a... that is when doesn't Kevin? I think Kevin suggests pushing a couch to block off the hallway yes. um, yep. from the I think it's when Kaylee voice. I think it's when Kaylee comes downstairs she says help me move the sofa so they help put move the, the sofa, sofa against against the door. Tell That's you terrifying. what I've had a terrible scary time upstairs we put the sofa against the but then she's just gone um and then yeah Kevin does go down and look and then I made a note again of the time thing so that the encounter upstairs is at roughly 40 minutes. At 58 minutes, Kevin encounters basically a featureless or mm. eyeless, mouthless girl. Yeah. In probably the strong, like the most jump scarish moment of the film, right? Yeah. It was a kind of dude. I mean, it's a kind of like a shrill noise, isn't there? It's not like. Yeah. It's not like one of those violin stabs or anything like that. It's just a shrill sort of kind of like, yeah, a shrill noise, um, and then it's it's just, it's just Kevin from this point onwards. The toys start disappearing, like the you know, there's some soft toys. There's the Lego. They start disappearing and reappearing around the room, and then the demonic voice, focusing its attention on Kevin, says, "I wonder what it's doing." Like, <laughs> I don't like it. A bit, a bit black Philippi, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit black Philippi. Um, yeah. But then, but then a, a kitchen drawer opens. He has a knife, and then knife goes. Stick that knife in your eye, Kevin. I shan't. Yeah, no. We uh, text you about that? this earlier, Ben. Like, this is what I imagine conversations with friend of the show and star of several paranormal activity movies, Toby, gets yeah. gets about. Telling kids to do stuff, which I don't think modern kids no. would be on. Not not a kid, Ben. I've not been a kid for a long time. But I think even when I was a kid in the eighties, I had more exciting things to do than stick a knife in my eye just because some chap told me to do it. No, no. I mean, I, I don't have a tablet or I'd, whatever. I don't think there's much I'd stick in my eye. You know, I feel like I'd always be. I've always been a bit not eye. What's the word? I'm not eye phobic. I'm not scared of eyes, but scared of something touching my eyes. Don't yeah. touch me eyes. Like, you know, seen, you know when you like actually physically touch your eyeball. Like when you touch yeah. your eyeball with your finger, that used to get me. Now not so much. Um, but yeah, I've seen, I have a... seen Biker Grove. You're correct. I have seen Biker sh- Grove. Don't get shot in the eyes with paintballs. You know that'll blind you at least for a few episodes. Um, 
I think he eventually did get better. But um, did he? Okay, yeah. that's right then. But um, Glad yeah, to hear this, it. this demon. And again, I watched it a few times, like because again, I I read through some analysis and some essays on the thing that basically it talks about the power of the demon to compel people to do stuff because it made Kaylee go upstairs. Um, and then Kevin immediately complies with what he said, and I thought, okay, does this hmm. is this something that happened? But it isn't something that we see on screen. We just, no. um, we just, it just the demon voice. You hear him go, put that knife in your eye, and then, and then he's yawning. That little kid, he's 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 owling because he's done it. So did he do it? He just did it. Yeah. He went, yeah, go on then. Absolutely added, absolutely. At a beast, what's his name? Skinner Marink. <laughs> the kid. Sorry, the kid. Kevin. Kevin. Little kid Kevin as well. Actually, this is set in nine ninety five, isn't it? So little kid Kevin is absolutely peak time. Kevin McAllister. Yep. Not like Everyone. this Kevin Mc... not like the other Kevin, though. I think that other Kevin would have shoved it in the demon's eye. He's got no respect. He would. Wouldn't have been scared very at all. Obedient little kid. So he does do it. Yeah. Um, and then he's screaming and shouting, and again, real. It isn't like kid crying you get on films. I think great mm. sound design. I don't know if they give the kid a Chinese burn or something to make him, but proper like howling that you get from a kid, like absolutely grizzling. He is yeah, like when a was, kid, it, when a kid has fallen over and hurt themselves, and they're like doing breathless just it was shout crying. It was one of those where it's like, how did they make the kid cry like this? Maybe I don't want to know. Maybe they actually, maybe he actually got skinnerinked, you know? Yeah, but he, yeah, give him a, <laughs> give him a little karate chop on the leg. Give him a <laughs> karate chop. Yeah, yeah. Just give him a they... give him a de- oh, dead leg would do it. I reckon dead yeah. legs the one. <sighs> yeah, so he's, he's upset. Know. Um. And we we did see them trying to use the phone earlier, and they start dialing a number first, and nothing happens. Then you hear them dial. We assume from the touchstones nine one one, and nothing happens. But mm. now the phone comes back into play, and Kevin phones again. And we haven't we have a conversation deeply with uh, briefly with an outside person. We assume a real person, and he says, "Oh, I've, yeah. I've cut myself with like I've been cut with a knife, and now I feel sick." Such a and... weird, like, distant voice where, again, this reminded me of Silent Hill, a bit like Silent Hill, the room when you try and communicate with the outside world in a way and you can't, you're kind of, there's kind of like this barrier between you and the real world where you're just kind of like, it's a really distant voice, like you're absolutely miles away. A really um, crackly phone line gave yeah. me since probably because you posted about it the other day, um, Resident Evil Gun Survivor, Vincent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Vincent, am I Vincent? Have I stuck a knife in my eye? Skinnerink, Skinnerink, you are I a murderer. Skinnerink, a, a murderer. Um, no, it's <laughs> I can't it's not, be. Uh, it's not that. It's the operator, yeah. and it says, "Oh, you know, normal nine 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 operator conversation. Like, stay calm. Is there someone in the room with you? Why are you whispering? Someone's going to come and help you." Mm. And then. Tell you what, you take your eyes off the phone for a second, then it's just one of those ones that you pull along <laughs> on a bit of string. It's turned into the phone from Toy Story, isn't it, with the face and the yeah, and the oh, I'd be gutted. You'd be absolutely gutted, wouldn't you? You'd be like, ah, oh, I'm doing so well. So do you think? A so little bit of theorem from your side now. Do you think 
that the demon was always the phone and it was toying with him and then going actually that's that's just a toy phone actually now or had they really got through to a person and they've gone on for that transform yeah phone? I, I think the latter i feel like it does feel like they've got through to somebody um and they're they're kind of like they find a little loophole potentially to get away from old skiddy marink and he's gone oh bloody hell i've got to use one of the tricks in my book and that trick is that because i feel like they're it feels like a sort of a parallel uh, it feels like they're in another dimension somehow they're in yeah. some creepy supernatural dimension where there is you can still communicate with the outside world through certain ways but you know the skin of marink has power over that dominion where it can change anything into anything essentially you yeah. could be on the phone and you could look down and it's a cucumber for example but it's not it's, a, it's still a phone at least and it does a little jump scare of ringing in a while but that was it's yeah, done that, that. Was pretty that was pretty loud as well, wasn't it? That that ring. And he has another conversation with Skinner Marine now. He kind of goes, "Oh, what are you doing?" And Skinner Marine says, "Oh, I can." Sorry, I do his voice. I do anything actually. And he goes, oh, "Okay." Um, Fair shake. Where's Where's my uh, Where's Where's Kaylee? And she goes, "Oh, there was Oh, or oh, think Skinner Marine says I can do anything." Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a little girl, and she said she wanted her mom and dad, so I, so I took her mouth away. So, well, that's. Clearly not what she asked for. I mean, say no by all means, but it's not. I want mum and dad. Take your mouth, then I guess. I guess I just have to take your mouth, wouldn't I? Yeah, because he said she didn't like obey him. Didn't do what she said. Didn't do what he said. He didn't do what he said, so he's like, "I'll take your mouth away." And I'm like, "Ah." Oh, I'd be even I mean... less inclined to do what you said if you took my mouth away. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing anything now. You... Who knows what you're going to take away next? Also, is this, catch is... more catch more flies with honey, Skinnerink. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is this the um, world you want you you want to live in? Is some sort of dictator where you just want me to do exactly what you say, or you take my mouth away? Like, I'm not I'm not into that. You know, I'm not signing. Didn't up say that. that she was. Didn't say that she was demanding a mom and dad. She wanted a mom and dad. So okay, yeah. probably saying, oh, demand... I, I I want doesn't get. So he's thinking. Exactly. What a shame. Um. So and we we don't we don't see Kaylee again. He just goes, "Oh, bloody, she was a right Debbie Downer going on wanting her mom and dad at the time." So I took him took him out of the way, and yeah. your eyes your eyes actually you probably saw her. Um, yeah, I took her I took them off her, and um, that's just it now. Bit rude. Um, and then we have Very a rude. weird. He walks into a bedroom that's a vortex, and there's loads of toys on the far surface of it and then we just see 572 days appears on screen yeah that was weird. That what are we long, to think of that, that how long, long been there maybe like time passes differently like there maybe like they've these kids have been missing for 572 days but like really to them they've just been there for an hour and 40 minutes what feels like that in the if they're trapped in this weird dimension who i think it could have meant meant a lot of different things couldn't it yeah but then we kind of see the house on its own in just a void. Like you say, it's just a a house yeah. nowhere. And then we have our final scene where, well, first there's shouting and blood splashing all over the floor. Oh, yeah. The blood splattered and then it vanished and then the blood, blood appeared again. And then yeah. Kevin's calling so, for his mum. So is that the demons doing something else and then undoing it again? We don't. It's hard to say. Yeah, maybe it's like a hell scenario. You know, when you're supposed to think, oh, you're going to experience this, oh, this pain over and over again, 
this agony and then you're going to be made to relive it for eternity something along, along those lines who knows but then we just have a door like a doorway in the middle of nowhere opening and then we have the faintest image in the dark of Skinnerink himself the the ghoulie um this is where again these uh, reminiscent for me of the of come true it has this semi-rendered quality to it which is not quite bare it's just out of your view and you can't quite comprehend it properly it's like a shape and and an impression of something rather than a fully realized monster or creature Mm -hmm. that's come there you can you can make out it's got you know a face there are eyes and yeah there's there's a rough there's a rough thing it's kind of like you know the you know when people are having a baby in the modern world and yeah. you haven't just got like an ultrasound picture of them anymore. You can do like that 4D yeah, yeah, yeah. scan. And you oh, can yeah. see them. And it looks like they're made out of horrible CGI clay. Yeah. I think, so, I, think I, saw, I saw something once where it said, someone commented on it and it said, that lasagna looks crisp. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you'd want a crisp lasagna. I don't want a crisp lasagna. Maybe some of the cheese on the edges. But someone went, that lasagna looks crisp. And he went, that's my, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what he is. But um, but it's he's like one of those 4D scans, but rendered in green. Um, that's, why so, that's why he's so angry. You like know? on an old IBM monitor. Um, <laughs> Kevin Kevin goes, yeah. Like yeah. he doesn't sell like Kevin's really like he's four years old. He's like, what's your yeah. name? Oh. Um, he's not a little London boy. Sorry, like a what's your name, mate? Oh, oh, mate? What's your name? Mr. Oi, Sherlock hey, Holmes. <laughs> are you the bloody Skinnerink? I'm not having this. Skinnerink. He's, no, he's got no guesses. He just basically goes, What's your name? And then Skinnerink just fucking rude. Just doesn't say anything. No, doesn't say a word, does he? Skinnerink, you bastard. Unless at least his acknowledge, name is basically, at least acknowledge me. Maybe his name is just three ellipses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he's really frustrated. He's telling, no, I clearly asked what your name was. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> My just name is just a silence of a certain certain length. Um and and that's it. Plot wise, that's that's what happens. Probably record time for us covering the plot of a film. But um Yeah, I think it pretty much is record time. Yeah, I can't argue with that. But yeah, I think in terms of plot, it's pretty threadbare. Um, you know, and for some people that might be like this is an experiment in in atmosphere and you know the plot isn't particularly important um but for other people they might be like that is pretty much all that's important to me um god damn you give me more that wasn't good enough um i'm sick of it yeah and it, it's it's difficult like i say like i i was definitely engaged and compelled to things that which i think there's a great skill in that filmmaking but there are narrative difficulties to it because like you, I do look for, I don't need everything to be explained to me, but I do look for a little bit of narrative to grip yeah. onto. Is there anything else that you really wanted to cover? Like what other, what other bits did you no, I mean, take I from think... this? Like visually soundscape wise, did, it, did you find it a compelling it. watch? I mean, to a degree, but I think in terms of the running time, um, it was a bit of a struggle. I think that I can appreciate 
what it's done in terms of like the concept and, and the experimental nature of it. And I think, yeah, sure, it does capture childhood fears and this childhood nightmares in a way. But yeah, like an art installation or maybe like a short film or something, I probably would have appreciated a lot more having to kind of sit through an hour and 40 minutes and kind of like be goaded into thinking it was going to go somewhere. But again, yeah, um, that's mainly because, I mean, I'm a fan of, I like fan footage movies. I like, even though it's not traditionally fan footage, I like fan footage movies. I like these sort of like spooky, uh, ghostly, supernatural movies as well. But yeah, it didn't really have anything in terms of substance that would have really made me enjoy it. And I don't really know what that was. Maybe some level of dread. I mean, sure there was dread, but I mean, in terms of plot where you're kind of like rooting for these kids to somehow escape or somehow get out, like there's a way out. And yeah, I mean, it kind of lent into it slightly with the 911 call. But after that, uh, it, yeah, a bit frustrating. And as I said, just felt, felt like it was a, it was a, a bit of a tease. <laughs> Do you think you would have maybe felt any differently if not for the the social media reaction that we've had from this one? Because I feel like in the build-up to this coming out, we know that due to an yeah. error um, of it being released, like, I think, was it one of the festivals that was shown it had a watch-at-home version? So it's basically gained word of mouth from people watching it and doing like tiktok challenges and so on about yeah, yeah. watch this that, that kind of happens doesn't it i think like with horror movies the, the horror movies that kind of capture some sort of uh that capture sort of like social media trends and things like that it's always the things you kind of least expect and it's not always the things that i think are great like you know when you see the 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 sound bites that kind of say this this made me sick with and people were getting carted off in ambulances after watching this movie and uh don't do this next trend because you'll actually end up with a haunting in your house <laughs> i don't know so, <laughs> you know what i mean oh your doors like have disappeared oh your doors have disappeared i'm like i can't be dealing with that and i think yeah as as somebody who consumes horror in lots of different formats constantly every day um you see so many, so many different things, so many different um, styles and genres and subgenres and attempts at sort of making these things happen. So that yeah, when things do sort of capture um, certain generations and certain um, social media platforms as well, I kind of just like sit back and kind of watch it happen. Don't get too embroiled in it because I kind of know what to expect. So you know, as soon as somebody says there's a TikTok challenge associated with this film and seeing if people can actually watch it and sit through it automatically part of me thinks maybe that's not for me, but still like curiosity gets better than me most of the time. So, yeah, I'm glad I've, I'm glad I've seen it. I think there are merits to look at it. And I think I, there's some real promise from the experiment that they've done and the, the filmmaking here. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, as you say, maybe not for the length of time that that, run particularly just for my tastes i think yeah i do like a little more to grip onto or a little bit more character from the it's too slippery talking about gripping yeah. onto it's too, too slippery way too slippery constantly slippering slippering <laughs> slippering all over the place oh, slippering all yeah. over the place man i guess then um it's time to do some name game Right. Oh yeah, we could do some name game. I uh, you said you had quite a lot, so I've any I've not really prepared many, but 
regardless, I'm sure this is going to be a good time, isn't it? Shall I begin this week? Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so oh, what's the what's the synopsis of Skinnamarink, and then I can. So uh, synopsis is simply two children wake up in the middle of the night to find their father is missing and the windows and doors in their home have vanished. Okay. Um, two children go to see a limited run of a movie that's been doing the, the rounds, actually. Um, but due to some demonic um, interference, all of the beverages in their house have disappeared. So they have to buy a rather pricey one at the theatre. Uh, skin a drink? Cinema drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Cinema. I, I was like, sometimes I think, is is this word very key to the clue or does it mean nothing about it? Cinema drink. Yeah, yeah. Cinema, cinema drink. drink. That's good. Very nice. What have you got for me? I've only got one, so uh, I've only got one. I tried to write a couple more down, but I couldn't. Um, so two children wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> wake up in the middle of the night to find their parents have vanished. And a famous intellectual from The Simpsons wants to take them out for a meal. The skin of a frink? <laughs> Nearly. Wants to take them out for a meal. Um, dinner with with Frank. Dinner with Frank. Dinner with Frank. Correct. Um, okay. I won't use my dinner one, but uh, here's the other ones I have for you. Then, so a a man with an exaggerated Scottish accent exclaims when he wakes up in the middle of the night, finding that someone has put all of his his favourite clear alcoholic spirit, you know, but he put it down the down the kitchen drain, it's all just floating in there. <laughs> when he exclaims about it, what has he? What has he? What has he spotted? Something, my sink. <laughs> he shouts to his wife, "Here, there's gin in my sink." <laughs> <laughs> Who did that? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, there's gin um, in my sink. That's terrible. Sorry. Um. Next up, um, a uh, the was he a politician? Either way, f- famous personality, um, <laughs> most known in more recent days in the UK for doing those insurance adverts where he'd say, "Calm down, dear." It was a commercial. Um, He's dead as lands well. Him, lands him, yeah, rest in peace. Lands himself, <laughs> lands himself a new gig. Um, in a, a sequel to The Emperor's New Groove, in which he plays the Egyptian sun god transformed into a small lizard. Jesus Christ. Winner. Yeah. Winner. And then the guy, I think, from The Emperor's New Groove is called... I, 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 That's not Frank... important. It's just a, it's it's a important. sequel. To, it's a sequel to it. Uh, except he is playing the Egyptian sun god who has been transformed into a little lizard. Winner the gink. <laughs> it's winner Raskink. Jesus, what's a gink? Why did I say that? I don't know what a gink is. Uh, so it's a winner Raskink. Um, Wait, there's a little old lady who lives near me um, who looks like Michael Winner. 
<laughs> and every every time I walk past her, in my head, I say, <laughs> She's a <laughs> I would never say it to her face, obviously, because she's probably had it her whole life, you know. Well, at least the last 20 years of her life. Very old lady. Um, absolutely sick and tired of um, just uh, a local associate that they have no time for. Because they're always about scaving off often the things. Um, and, you know, they're usually rooting around in the skips and stuff. Oh, yeah. um, so two kids sick of this character really smelling up the area. Um, <laughs> they call this person, they call this person out and tell them how much they smell in an explosion of anger. Uh something you stink yes i've got i've gone particularly with maybe this is a midlands thing calling people like binners binner you skink you stink oh god no i've not binner, heard that one you stink um, bin, you're binner you stink you bit harsh because he's just down he's just down on his luck you know we never know you absolute binners um do i have any more oh i tell you what um Two children wake up one evening to find out that their mom's um, new diet program, which had been going very well at the beginning because she was losing weight as intended, um, meaning oh, yeah. she's more slender than she once was, has now begun to actually just reduce her size overall. And she's actually shorter as well as narrower. Skinny and shrink. Skinny it's then skin- shrink. But it's their mother in particular. Skinny ma shrink. And she's not she's not skinny, she's just less rotund than she was before. S- slimmer. <laughs> slimmer for... sl- thinner Slim- ma shrink. Thinema shrink. Thinema shrink. Hang on a minute. Thinema shrink. And they've gone, yeah, you're right. There we go. Uh, that... And then no, finally. Jesus. Um Moving on from his illustrious career in acting, um, oh, yeah. a, a famously bald actor who has played uh, the King of Siam and a badman in the original Westworld gathers a lot oh, of uh, a lot of a metallic element with an atomic weight of thirty and sells it exclusively to the automotive industry. Jesus Christ! I can't remember what his name is. What's his what's his business that he opens? What's he selling? Um a metallic element with the atomic number 30. Oh god. A silver it's a silver metal and he's selling it exclusively to the automotive industry. Uh the game of M. Uh it's not. It's Brinner. <laughs> it's it's Brinner's car zinc. Jesus. I mean, I, don't I told know. you it was going to be a new line. I don't, I don't know where my brain was going with that, but it was in none of those directions. And uh, to be fair, I think I had a fair crack at some of them. That was one step too far. Yeah, that was that was a new low bar because it turns out Skinnamarink, well, doesn't rhyme with actual very many real words. No, it doesn't. It doesn't rhyme with any real words. But I am taking great pride in cinema drink and possibly gin cinema in Cinema drink sink. was great. Both really good. Uh, 10 out of 10. Um, 
but let's not get ahead of ourselves. 10 out of 10, we've got to rate the movie. I am going to kind of like rent, rate it in two ways. I think one is like as a film, as a movie, as an enjoyable movie, a horror movie to watch, because, you know, that's what this podcast is mm-hmm. about, watching horror movies. The other one is kind of like in terms of an atmospheric experimental thing. So, I mean, for that, so, so for that sense, as an atmospheric experimental interesting something that i could have easily watched at a shorter running time and probably enjoyed um it's like a as that if i walked in and this was and this was um an art installation or some sort of short film at eight to ten minutes for example i would be like what's this then spooky what's this then a b i go that's a Oh, was that was interesting. I'd want to see a feature length of that. Oh, yeah, an hour and 40 minutes? Nah. Uh, but if I did, I'd want to see a lot more to it. However, as a movie that, like, I sat down at, I sat down to watch at home, not in a theatre, um, and, and and as you know, somebody who enjoys various... It, remi- it reminded me of a lot of good things. It reminded me of Silent Hill, The Room. It reminded me of that final scene in, in Blair Witch Project. But I just don't think there was anything really there for me. Um, I think, you know, if this was a deeply profound personal thing, which I think for the filmmaker it is, then for them, this is like their wheelhouse and they've completely got it nailed down. And if somebody else is watching it and they feel the same way, they're going to be really engrossed and taken in by it. For me, as I said, I was just frustrated. Um, I felt like it was the horror film equivalent of edging so for that reason, <laughs> so for that reason, I was frustrated. I think I'd have to go for 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 a D, and mm. I I feel like I feel like I could have felt completely different if it was like an hour, an hour and a bit. Just that but extra like forty minutes back. That extra forty minutes, I feel like it was one. It was just too much, too too far. That the narrative was paper thin, um, and it just didn't engage me perhaps in the way that it would somebody else. But I think it's a, it's one of those experiences that's going to be completely different for you depending on um your personal relationship with the visuals and stuff like that so yeah yeah i, all, I don't want to don't want to not trying to be too negative that was all well no all very fair ben I, i'm probably going to join you on the exact same system there i think you're right as a piece of art as an experiment i think it's to be very much applauded um go yeah. check it out um, it's it's interesting, and I think you're right for those personal takes as well. And this will lead into my other thing, into my rating for it as a film. I found as I was going through, because I have become accustomed to you know more of a narrative um, mm. to being being attached into there, and it, and things being developed as pieces of entertainment and that and that in that it's a very elden ring approach to storytelling right it's very kind of it's just there but you've got to you've got to work to get some of this story out there Hmm. when i first saw the film coming together and we're in those early scenes i found myself you know relating to the experience of those kids and the fear that that would that would generate but then building up the story myself trying to think about what the next like oh what's happened to their mom is she not alive anymore and you know thinking Mm. of terrible scenarios like has the dad taken his own life and you know he's upstairs in this room and there's a you know and that's 
going to be these things. These two kids are left alone in the world, and there is something deeply unpleasant. And they, and that's, mm. and that's what they're being faced with. Is it a story of neglect and abuse? And those kids, those kids' world has shrunk to that size because they're not permitted to leave, yeah. and that's why the doors have disappeared. And it's a, a metaphorical piece, but the way the film then plays out, it kind of does enough to discount those thoughts, but without replacing it necessarily of something clear-cut as its own. Mm -hmm. And I don't doubt that this is a a skilled filmmaker who has those ideas and has put them in there. But again, listening to the production process, it's inspired by the shorts put on the filmmaker's website. Uh, I think to the point he credits his commenters as his co-directors here because they have given the ideas of visuals and moments that they want to see so there's probably a great deal of thought got into it from a lot of sources but is it has it potentially become a disparate source away from anything that's clear-cut in the reaction to capturing all of those individual experiences from people who've commented and you know mixed with the creator's own yeah. childhood memories and traumas so maybe that that cohesive or direct message that you can fully bring together is kind of lacking and that's where it comes down to that piece of entertainment I'm probably going to land exactly the same as you Ben I think B as a piece of experimentation and thought provoking mm-hmm. piece of artwork to look at effectively but as a piece yeah. of entertainment probably will sit on a D because I think having seen it and experienced it will I necessarily watch it again would I recommend it to someone who isn't into cinematography or the art of yeah, cinema or yeah like I I almost sat and you know watched this with my wife but she had a call so she had so she um had you know gone to continue with some some work after hours so I didn't I think had I watched it with her it would be one I'd be hearing about like oh god yeah. oh yeah you ain't picking like... a movie for a while mate you've <laughs> not again yeah yeah so that I think that that's where we said it's going to be nightmare actually putting a rating list on letterbox because they can't have a dual system I'd yeah. recommend you check it out if you want something that hits similar beats but yeah. um, is a little bit more structured as a narrative movie. And even then, there's some surrealism in that. But genuinely, check out um, Come True, because I, yeah. I, I think that touches on some of the nightmare imagery um, very, very well. Awesome. There we go. So a slightly different episode, I think, this week with a slightly more unconventional film. I guess we're getting back to slightly more conventional next week with... Um, M. Night Shyamalan's Knock at the Cabin. I think any movie that's got Batista in probably is going to be a bit more conventional. Um, Imagine if we start it and it's uh, just kind of <laughs> yeah. weirdly angled shots and then of Batista's Batista. giving, giving a knock at the cabin and saying Hello, and then Hello, the door disappears. Put a, put a bloody knife in your eye. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> stick a bloody knife in your eye or I'll Batista bomb you. Okay, so thanks very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to our current patrons, including John Crinnan, Ben Scaife, Stephen Christopher, Laura Kendrick, Toby Miller, Lane Spencer, Ollie Child, Leslie Carlo, Julia Bilgren, Nick Spill, Troy Bursch, Pazuzu, and Rosalind Harnias. 
first time I tried to say that name out loud. Thank you so much, everybody, especially Rosalind, who's just become a patron. That's correct, isn't it? Last week. Yes. Um, I'm going to bring up as well, Rosalind. So sorry I butchered your name last week. I didn't know it was coming. It was just at the end of the notes. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult, isn't it, when you're reading things out? Like, I'm always butchering uh, directors' names and stuff, but sometimes I've not even thought about saying the name until it's right there in front of me. Um, yeah, so thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. All of those places you can tell us that we just didn't get Skinamarink and that we're idiots and that we should give up the podcast forever. Maybe. I don't know. Probably won't listen to that last bit, though. I just like hanging out with my friend every week. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, mate. All right. Sorry. Why don't you go and ring 911 about that? Don't don't do that. Don't waste police time. Um... (laughs) Unless it's one of those plastic phones. In that case, honestly, go go for your life. See if you can get Elmore on the line. See what he's got to say about it. He'll have a lot to say, I'm sure. And of course, thanks, Andy, for being a right horror dude. Please don't get skinnamarinked. Hopefully you turn around in a minute and your door will still be there. It's all right. It's all right. And hopefully I might treat myself to a bathroom break before I go to bed as well. Tell you what, I hope that toilet's still there. If the toilet vanishes just as you're about to commit, uh, you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. Well, same for you, Ben. May all of your toilets go undisappeared. And the same to everyone else out there. Thank you for (laughs) being right, horror dudes. Thanks Mm. for listening. Thanks for supporting us. See you for the rest of the week for a week. Rest of the month for a more conventional yeah. knock at the cabin. Tremors. Knock at the cabin. Howling 2, colon, your werewolf is a stream of bitch. And when I go and watch uh, Knock at the Cabin, Andy, do you know what I'm going to have? Cinema drink. Having a See cinema drink. Get on it. Bye. <laughs> Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.